the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have every, as believers, every spiritual blessing that we ever need in our salvation. If no other prayer was answered again besides the prayer for forgiveness and salvation, we would be blessed with every spiritual blessing. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall the mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Oh, nothing is impossible Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor here at Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us on the program today. And as always, we would like to encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues with his Family Matters teaching series. So if you have your Bibles, please follow along with us as we hear part two of Pastor Keith's message, it takes a good wife. Now we can take comments out of context all day long and try to exploit them. It's what our culture does. We take turns yelling at each other. But the bottom line here is, is that the Bible, the Bible is countercultural. And the Word of God, which has something to say about every inch of thread that makes up the fabric of our existence, treats men and women in the same way. They are equally precious equally created in the image and likeness of God, equally valuable to Jesus Christ for salvation. And they have different roles and goals to play in life, in marriage, and in the church. From Genesis through Exodus, the Proverbs, the pastoral epistles, Galatians, the Gospels, 1 Timothy, Titus, 2 Timothy. In reality, the record shows that God's word does not abuse or oppress women. But we do need to acknowledge that women have it rough. God has called them to a very complicated and complex role in society, in marriage, in the church, in the world. He's called them to great things. And he provides a better road for women than our culture does, than all the world religions do put together, than all the cultural icons and iconesses, if there's such a word. He calls them to be part of his kingdom work as joint heirs in the graces of life with their husbands, changing the world one soul at a time, beginning with marriage, beginning in their own home, 
and radiating outward into the world that surrounds them. And so what we want to do is head over to Ephesians. Now you may have noticed that last week when I preached Ephesians 5, 25 to 33, I didn't give you a lot of background on Ephesians, right? We just kind of dove in. Today I want to, to pull back and we're going to do a helicopter flyover from Ephesians 1 to Ephesians 6, 10, and 11. Kind of like we did with John 6 that time. And what I want to do is I want, I want you to follow the discourse of Ephesians because Ephesians is about two things. Ephesians is about worship and warfare. And a lot of times, just like we did in John 6, we pointed out that, you know, we take three or four verses and preach on them, but we miss the whole discourse. And John 6 was all about Jesus' message to the world then and there and here and now, and it's not what they wanted to hear. And Ephesians is about worship and warfare. The first three chapters of Ephesians are all about the principles of the Christian faith, who God is, how God is, what he's done, what we were, what he's made us into, and what our hope is in him. Call that theology. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6 is about worship and warfare, how to live out what God's word says. In chapter 1, we sense the larger issue beginning with worship. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, I'm just going to hit the highlights here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have every, as believers, every spiritual blessing that we ever need in our salvation. If no other prayer was answered again besides the prayer for forgiveness and salvation, we would be blessed with every spiritual blessing. Then we go into Ephesians chapter 2 and we, re- we remember what we were before Christ. And we're reminded of the matchless grace and glory of God in our salvation. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And you see this flow of thought developing. Who God is, what he's done, how we should respond to him. And you move into Ephesians chapter 3 and there's a, a doxology there, which I won't read through. It's almost like a toast in secular terms where he just says, he just praises God for all that God has done. And then you move into chapter 4 and we have this starting idea about what it means to worship God in our lives every day, day in and day out. Paul writes in Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk, to live in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Live out your faith. That's what he says. In light of the calling of God upon your life, he tells us how to approach life, how to live a life of worship. And he takes us deeper into this life of worship and sacrifice in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 says this, therefore in light of all that's come before, when you see therefore, you have to ask yourself what is the therefore, therefore, therefore in light of all this, in light of the calling on us, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk, and that word walk means live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Live lives of worship and sacrifice. Remember who you represent and what he did for you. And in light of all that, imitate his example. And then the theme continues in Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. Look carefully then how you walk. 
Examine carefully your life. Think about how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And then he tells them to really examine their focus and their priorities and what they should be. He tells them then and there and all of us here and now. In Ephesians 5.18, we read this verse that everybody takes out of context and says drinking's a sin. Some drinking is. But what this verse is about is not about drinking, okay? Ephesians 5.18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, that is dissipation, that is wastefulness. But instead, be filled, where there is plurao, in the Greek it means be satisfied, be satisfied with the Spirit, be satisfied with the themes of God. And then you move into Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The Greek really says it this way, submitting to others out of reverence for Christ. So he's saying, remember who you are, remember what you were, and be this way. Walk carefully, live a life thoughtfully, intentionally, living out your faith. Imitate Christ's sacrifice. Don't be hung up and and don't be high on the things of this world, be high on the Holy Spirit. Submitting one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he gives three examples of submission here. Okay, let's look at them. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, Ephesians 5.22. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, Ephesians 6.1. Bond servants, you could think today, employees, though you may feel like a bond servant sometimes. Obey your earthly masters with a sincere heart as you would Christ. This is worship and warfare. You're saying, where is the warfare out here? Well, we have to understand the context with the conclusion. The final thought here is in Ephesians 6.10 and 11. Don't miss this. Be careful how you walk. Walk as the wise, not as foolish people. Be imitators of God. Live a life of sacrifice and service. Have the right priorities. Don't be, don't be high on wine. Be high on the spirit. Don't be filled or satisfied with the things of this world, but be satisfied with the spiritual things. Finally, after he gives these examples of submitting to one another, submitting to others out of reverence, worship for Christ, finally, he says... In light of all this, when all is said and done, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. This is the heart of it all, worship and warfare. You worship God by fighting against, by not drinking the cultural Kool-Aid. And he, he has provided us this huge picture here. And I want to sort of double back at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is this. And if you look at it, I think we have a slide for that. Exhortation to those in authority. That's right. What we have is wives submit to your husbands. Husband, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Parents, do not confuse. Employees, obey your employers. Employers, do not abuse your employees. And what he does there is is he warns everybody, you have a role to play in worship and warfare. Make sure you play it to the hilt. Make sure that wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, make sure you love your wives as Christ loved the church. Children, obey your parents. It doesn't say parents obey your children. It says parents do not confuse. Fathers do not cause your children to stumble. Do not provoke your children. Employees, obey your earthly masters. Employers, remember that you have a master too. Do not abuse them. Stop threatening them. You do understand, therefore, that worship is warfare. And we are to understand how to live lives of worship in whatever context that we find ourselves in.
and that includes men and women in marriage. And today we take up women in marriage, but we want to acknowledge that women have had it rough, they have it rough, they're going to continue to have it rough until Christ returns, but God has called them to worship and warfare. It takes a good wife to make a good marriage. This is part one. Uh, Everything up till now has been introduction. This is a three-point sermon, and we will only get to the first point. And the proposition here is it takes a good wife to make a good marriage because, number one, a good wife sees the larger eternal picture. A good wife sees the big picture. A good wife sees the larger eternal pictures. This is the first quality of a good wife, the first of three characteristics of a good wife that makes a good marriage. Where do we see that? We see that in Ephesians 5, to 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands, not other people's husbands, to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Marriage pictures the relationship between Christ and the church. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Ouch. Nobody likes that, right? Goes against the culture, but it's the word of God. But wait, there's context here. And let's see what that context is. Ephesians 5, 17 to 22. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be filled with the Spirit, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The bigger picture here is God's will and God's purposes. That's what worship and warfare is all about, ladies. Living lives of worship means, in this case, submitting to your husbands out of love and respect for Jesus Christ. Submitting to God in kind of a Romans 13 way, recognizing that all authority is from God. It's respecting your husband as you would the Lord. It's remembering that they are to be Christ to the family, however frail and imperfect they are. And a good wife knows and understands that this is more than just the battle of the sexes. This is spiritual warfare, being satisfied by the Spirit rather than the things of this world. Worship and warfare. You know, a lot of times we think that bonehead in front of us ladies just doesn't get it. And we don't understand why he acts the way he does. And we don't understand why God gave us this guy. I'm using a general we here. I'm obviously male, right? I'm one of those knotheads. But you're like Job in some cases. And if you read the book of Job, you understand that Job... Job was unaware at that moment of the larger spiritual picture swirling around him. There was a battle between Satan and God. And it was a whole lot bigger than just Job. Joseph the same way, right? Joseph's thrown, sold into slavery, thrown into well, sold into slavery, thrown into jail for a crime he didn't commit. He becomes the prime minister of Egypt. And at the end of, at the end of his, towards the end of his life, he gets it. What you intended for evil against me, God intended for good to bring about a perfect result to save many people alive. This is worship and warfare. This is the bigger picture. Because in some cases, in many cases, in most cases, if not all cases, eternities are at stake. Eternities are at stake. Or at minimum, the spiritual health and well-being of those you love. 1 Peter 3, verses 1 and 2 says this. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word, by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Somebody once said that a picture is worth a thousand words. And the bottom line here is this. God is saying to women in their worship and their warfare, 
look, submit to, submit to your husband. And even if he's unfaithful to the word of God, even if he's an unbeliever, show him an example of Christ that he might be won by a word. That he might be, excuse me, won without a word. They may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see, view, experience, sense, taste, and smell your spirituality, your respectful and pure conduct. See, too often a day, we get it backwards. We don't say a picture is worth a thousand words. We say a thousand words is better than any picture. And you know what? All that does is cause people to shut down and alienate them. For men and women, living out our faith is the loudest sermon you're going to preach because lives are at stake and people need to know that this Christianity business is for real. And in some cases, eternities are at risk. 1 Corinthians 7, 13, and 16. The Apostle Paul says, If any woman who has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Your conduct in the marriage is the most powerful evangelistic tool that you have. Because your children are watching, your husband is watching, the world is watching. And you may be married to the world's most imperfect man. That's good. Because he's probably married to the world's most imperfect wife at the same time. You know, they say opposites attract, but usually people of like mind and character end up together. But what we see here is this. You may be like Job in the moment, suffering and frustrated. But we know that God doesn't waste our suffering or our frustration in any situation or circumstance. That all things really, really do work together for good. For those that love God and who are called according to his purposes. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen men baptized who came to Christ. Not only through the words of their wife, but through the ways of their wife. And I guess by way of application is I just want to encourage and exhort you today, ladies, to see the larger picture, to look beyond the situation. I'm not saying, and we'll talk about the so-called doormat syndrome in just a moment. I'm not saying that you submit to your husband in terms of sin. He says, let's go rob a bank today. Let's pass a couple of bad checks. Let's watch this perverted pornographic movie. I'm not saying anything like that. What I'm saying is this, is that you don't follow his leadership even if he's an imperfect leader because he's Christ to the family. And God has raised you up and him up for such a time as this to be together as one flesh in Christ. And he has his role and you have yours. And your role isn't contingent on his perfection. My Christianity isn't contingent upon anybody else's performance. A husband's performance isn't contingent upon his wife's performance. And a wife's performance in the faith isn't contingent upon her husband's performance. And God has called us to different roles and goals within the marital relationship because this is a picture of Christ and his church. And this is a picture of Christianity to the whole wide world around us. Now, the second characteristic is a good wife trusts and obeys God. But you'll have to wait a week to hear that one because we're out of time. We're going to stop here and we'll save points two and three for next week. But I would say this, as we begin this discussion, we want to acknowledge that women have it rough because they're married to guys like me and you, gentlemen. We want to acknowledge that the world, the world, the secular world, secular culture and world religions have made it very, very tough on women particularly our so-called enlightened culture today. But the real culture, the normal culture, the pre-fall culture, Christianity has a better road and a better path. And the question that every woman has to ask and answer for herself today is, am I willing to consider 
the bigger picture? Do I understand that my conduct is worship and warfare? That when I live out my faith, no matter how the person in this bed next to me does or this table across from me does, do I realize that I am waging spiritual warfare against all the cultural stereotypes, against the junk, against the systematic oppression of this secular godless culture? And do I understand the impact of my respect for my husband, my submission? And we'll talk about what submission is and isn't next week. Do I understand that my conduct is worth a thousand words? Is you win rather than coerce your husband through humility, kindness, patience, gentleness, and respect, the fruits of the Spirit? It kind of comes back to the question that I asked last week. For a Christian, you know, we talked about what the real sinner's prayer is. You know, we think of the sinner's prayer as, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and make my life better or whatever, you know. But the real sinner's prayer is this, and it, it said once to salvation and always to sanctification and spiritual growth. Father, God, I know Christ died for my sins. I know that I'm a sinner. I admit it freely. I believe that he rose from the dead to show me his power over sin, death, and hell in my life and in this world. And I want to, com- I want to commit my soul to you for all eternity. I, I-, I want to surrender my will to you for all time. I want to be your child. Will you take me and do with me and to me and through me anything you want to? Will you take my health take my career, take my reputation, take my family, take my children, but just exalt yourself. Now, he's not going to take your children, your health, and maybe one or two percent of the time. But this is what it means to be a Christian, to be sold out to Jesus at all costs. You can't get 50% of Jesus. You can't get 60% of salvation. And he's going to call you then as he saves you to, to make worship and warfare for his glory, for the good of others, and for your own growth. And the question is, as you hear all this today, and whether it sounds as crazy as crazy can be or whether it makes sense, that's probably the presence of the Holy Spirit or the absence of the Holy Spirit. You have to ask yourself, where do I stand in relationship to Jesus Christ today? Do I know him or just know about him? Have I bought into the culture or have I surrendered to him? Because he will make you sufficient for the worship and warfare that he calls you to, ladies. And as far as being a doormat, was Jesus a doormat? And yet, you know, he suffered untold humiliation, didn't he? But as we look at our hands and our palms and our sides and our feet, we probably don't find nail marks in them, do we? We don't find a spear wound and no crown of thorn scars on our head because he hasn't called us to suffer nearly as much as he's already suffered. You won't be a doormat. You'll be a servant who exalts Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. This is a the beginning of a hard message. Lord, this is the beginning of a hard series. Lord, family matters matter to you. They should matter to us. It takes a good marriage to make a good family. It takes a good family to make a good church. It takes a good church to change the world and bring about a good culture and a good civilization one soul at a time. And a good marriage and a good church and a good society is dependent on a good husband and a good wife. Help us as men to fulfill the roles that you've called us to to be sacrificial leaders who love, who learn, and who do lead with fear and trembling. And Father, help us not to be stumbling blocks for our wives because women have it rough, Lord, so rough. At the same time, Lord, help the ladies here to see the larger eternal picture. Help us all to understand that this is about worship and warfare and that this marriage passage is one small passage in Ephesians about a life well lived for the glory of God, for the good of others and our own growth. We pray these things humbly and undeservedly in Jesus' name. Amen.
Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. We so very much want to thank you for taking the time to join us today to study God's Word. And it's important that we let you know that we feel so blessed that you join us here each day on the program. Please remember, Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside Church would love to hear from you. So please take a moment to drop us a line or shoot us an email to let us know how we can be praying for you. Here's how you can contact us. The church mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can also visit our website at hillside.org where you can find out more information about Pastor Keith, view our calendar of upcoming events here at Hillside, and also get information on our service times. And if you're close to the San Jose area, we would love for you to join us for worship. We are now offering two Sunday morning services here at Hillside Church, the first beginning at 9 a.m. and the second starting at 10.45 a.m. And we'll be continuing with our Spanish language service at 1 p.m. every Sunday afternoon as well. Remember, if you need more information on this or anything else happening here at Hillside Church, just visit our website at hillside.org. Well, we hope you'll join us again next Sunday at this same time as we continue with our Family Matters teaching series. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves, and on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, may the Lord richly bless you, and thanks for listening. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.